Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web design industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. I'm Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support the show, please tap the link in the episode's description if you're using the Anchor application or visit anchor.fm slash bit-v-byte to become a monthly supporter. So I'm only going to cover some news and links and resources today. So starting right off with that, uh, some news. So first up is Traffic 2.0 Alpha was released. And this is a reverse proxy that allows you to you know, proxy a lot of different uh, protocols. But what's really cool is they've expanded that into allowing for TCP support, which means pretty much any TCP protocol you can actually now proxy across rather than just say web or TLS traffic. Very neat. Uh, I have yet to figure out all the things. Uh, I've been looking at traffic and um, a couple other tools. Envoy, I think, is another one uh, to kind of do these kind of things. And But this is a pretty neat functionality to have. They've also added uh, SNI routing, which is server name indicator. And what this kind of means is based on what uh, host is um, given to you when you're uh, receiving the TLS session, uh, you can then take that host and route it to different places. Uh, well, in this case, it allows you to route it to different places. Pretty cool because this allows you to do some conditional routing, and uh, especially with TLS traffic, which in the past was difficult without that SNI uh, header in there. So it's pretty cool. And you'll also be able to do some middleware processing. And I think this part is actually kind of the coolest of it because you can conceivably inject just about any type of middleware in there and allow you to do all sorts of processing with uh, the data coming across, all sorts of options as to what you want to do. But, you know, I, I look at it as a pretty powerful tool to really expand what you could do with this. PowerShell 7 was announced. And so what this is, uh, you know, PowerShell 6.2 just came out not that long ago. And PowerShell 7 is more of a number in, in, in name only. It's not a 7 is now a huge revamp type of thing. It will be built on .NET Core 3.0, which is a pretty large change, uh, mostly just so that what they're trying to do is get this to be basically about 90 plus percent feature parity with uh, Windows PowerShell, which is the built-in like Windows 5.0 version that comes with uh you know windows 10 and that kind of stuff but the idea really is to try to get as close with compatibility on those apis so that everyone can move over to powershell core uh, they will be dropping the core from the name and they're just going to call it powershell 7 uh, going forward but if you're actually like seeing the uh, version coming across it will still say core and the idea really is to get most folks to port their code over so I'm excited about that. I think it will be a, a help to really increase the adoption going forward. And PowerShell itself has been getting better and better, especially with cross-platform and allowing you to connect so many different things. So it's really cool. I uh, keep an eye out for that. I believe they're targeting May-ish, but you know, it's all kind of dependent on getting the .NET Core aspect of it all rewritten uh, and so that's a large project, and we'll see where it lands. OBS, which is the Open Broadcaster Studio, released 23.1. And it's mostly just a lot of 
uh, updates and fixes, a couple more Twitch features. They're really leaning into their ability to natively support services in there like Twitch and uh, YouTube and those kind of things. Uh, but you can copy and paste filters in the mixer, which is something I've actually need to do, so that's pretty handy. Um, not a huge release, but um, it's getting better and better every time, so check it out. One of my favorite uh, um, IDEs, uh, which is Visual Studio Code, released 1.33, or quote-unquote the March release. Uh, and as always, it's got a bunch of things that have changed. Um, configurable IntelliSense is kind of cool. Allows you to kind of limit the number of options that come up and what types and that kind of thing. Very useful if sometimes you have not as uh, intelligent IntelliSense. So it's kind of a, a nice feature to add on just to give a bit of control back. They've also allowed the option for default formatters so you can specify in a project basis kind of what code formatters you want to use. Very handy if you don't want to use, say, the default ones uh, that natively it would choose based on the file type. Uh, they've had debugging support for subsessions. I have yet to really truly dive into the debugging features of um, Visual Studio Code. So I, I'm, I want to check this one out. Uh, I want to kind of dive in because I know I'm not using it to its full potential, uh, but uh, definitely kind of cool. And finally, uh, ConPTY is enabled by default if you're using the correct Windows version. And that's really the latest insider's ring version of Windows right now. Uh, for the upcoming release, it will be enabled by default, and COMP2Y is the rewrite of the low-level console terminal for Windows. So if you're thinking like command prompt and everything around that, then that's what the rewrite is. And so I'm looking forward to that because it added a ton of new features, and it's a complete rewrite of all that stuff. So pretty cool, and it's supposed to make it even more stable and better for the um, integrated terminal which would be nice because mine, unfortunately, as much as I love VS Code, tends to break all the time. Still trying to figure that one out, but uh, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that once this and the new Windows update comes out, then things will be better. Um, I mean, it still works really well, and I still love it, but I'm always looking forward to a little more reliability. And finally, Grafana 6.1 released, and the main thing about this is that they have added ad hoc filtering for Pro Prometheus. And Prometheus, I've talked about here before, is basically the uh, time series database that you can use to track metrics across a number of systems. And Grafana is the visualization dashboard uh, builder that you can use to do that, tie into a bunch of different things. And what's cool is now that you can do this ad hoc filtering, it's an easy way to say, I just, instead of building a widget um, specifically for whatever I'm looking for, I can just drop in here and say, oh, I just want to look up these metrics and see what this is like right over time and just kind of see what the results are without having to do a ton of work to kind of build that out. So pretty cool. I've started exploring with it a little bit and it works pretty well. Going in some links and resources, uh, I got a whole stack of things um, and it, it's, there's a lot of stuff, uh, but uh, in terms of things out there I could add, but uh, you know these are ones I found useful. Uh, starting off, 
Snow, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but Snov.io, S-N-O-V.io. It's an email tracker. I haven't tried this yet, but I'm, it's on my list to try because, I'm, and I'm curious if anyone else does give a shot. I've been looking for, uh, for a kind of read indicator for emails and one that integrates well with Gmail and it's useful. Um, I've had some success with that in the past. And it's been very useful for certain cases. And um, so I'm hoping to try this one because it looks pretty low barrier to entry and it, you know, it's gotten good reviews. So I'm curious to see if anyone gives it a shot and, and how that works. Uh, WP GraphQL. And so this is kind of cool. If you're using a WordPress site, um, you can add on an, the Extensible GraphQL API. Uh, and so instead of just doing the REST API, it allows you to really scope and return just what data you want instead of the more generalized REST calls which is really what GraphQL is allowing you to do, is really scope those requests and the data returned uh, to really just what you want. It's almost, it's, it's a very, it's like a, a API query language. So it's a good way to put it, I suppose. But it, it's really cool that it allows WordPress to now return that and like query against it. Uh, the RAV1E is a Rust AVI1 encoder. So there's... <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on there, but Rust is a language that is is a very powerful, I believe, type-safe language that allows you to have excellent performance. And so it's one of the new generation languages that are really coming into um, prominence. And what's cool is AV1 is a successor to the VP9 video format, which was intended for the web. And AV1 is aligned for about 20% better compression at VP9, which is itself already quite good. But there's not a ton of support in terms of the AV1 format and also encoding. So this is a very performant uh, Rust encoder uh, for this. And so check it out. It's constantly enhancing. And you can get JavaScript AV1 um, decoders for the browser, which allows you to kind of polyfill that support out there. Uh, check it out. It's not for everyone, but useful for those that are looking for that kind of thing. There is a JWT authentication uh, plugin for the uh, WordPress REST API. It's very useful. I've used this uh, myself a couple times that you can, instead of using the built-in um, API or REST API uh, authentication methods for WordPress, you can use JWT tokens. Um, and I, I like those a lot. They seem to work well. Uh, it seems easier in some ways, harder in others. But this is a way that you can uh, use those with your project. And uh, it's pretty useful. Just an alternative for WordPress authentication, but pretty useful. There's a good article um, linked uh, within uh, the show notes that is using CSS Grid the right way. And it's it's got a great set of common mistakes and ways to properly use the CSS grid. And I've come across a couple of these articles and I'm, I'm slowly migrating all my stuff over to using grid just slowly. Um, I've been mostly hesitant just based on browser support, uh, depending on the project I need to, uh, to do. But I, I personally can't wait because I've been as I'm playing around with it and everyone else is showing the great examples and stuff out there. It is extremely powerful. You know, I love Flexbox, and I've it saved me countless hours of time and effort. But it's it's kind of the right tool for the right job. Flexbox for use of layouts isn't really the intended case, 
which is really more of the grid uh, reason uh, for use of that. And then Flexbox is really more for the content uh, within it. But combining the two is really powerful. And so this is a good, uh, it's not necessarily the article about that, but a good article about the common mistakes and things you need to be aware of using uh, CSS Grid. So yeah, check it out. There is a interesting tool. I mostly included it because it was kind of just fascinating to me, but uh, it's Forgetty. It's kind of like Spaghetti, but Forgetty. Um, and it's really a way to generate complex passwords by a doodle. I haven't tried it, but I just look at their website, and it's a pretty interesting idea and tool. Um, I think the idea is so that you may remember the doodle more than you know some long, complex password. Um, but kind of a neat idea. Check it out. Um, you know, something that may be of use to some folks. Uh, there is a site called smallpdf.com, and it's just got a ton of useful tools to manipulate PDF files. And I can't tell you the number of times that I end up needing a tool like that. Uh, just something that will allow me to manipulate a PDF in some sort of way, uh, but super useful. And uh, I always find need of that kind of thing. So yeah, check it out. Uh, I think that you'll, you'll find that one of those library or, uh, sites to just kind of tuck away for when you need it. Uh, definitely useful. And finally, uh, the last um, little link and resource I wanted to add was uh, metatags.io. It's just another useful tool to create and validate meta tags on websites. And it's particularly geared towards social media. Um, just a useful thing to validate that kind of stuff because it always seems like new tags are being added or when to use in what case. Uh, pretty useful. I know that a lot of us are probably just throwing out a plugin or kind of boilerplating the tags out there, which it's perfectly fine. Uh, but this could be useful just to make sure that you are using it right and uh, that all of the features you're looking for and ways to kind of link that is available to you. So check it out. So I'm going to end there. Um, I know that it's really more of a just kind of news and links and resources this time, but uh, it's a busy couple weeks. So I wanted to get this out there and at least share some uh, stuff for you guys. Uh, but follow this podcast on Twitter at bitvbyte and Facebook at slash bitvbyte. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.